Unless you want to, it's the Ron and Don Show, starring Ron and Don, and sometimes me, at ronanddon.com. Hey, you guys, what's going on? It's episode number 212 of the Ron and Hi, Don everybody. Show. Hi, everybody. He's Ron, I'm Don, and here we are. It's the month of January 2021. The inauguration has happened uh, this week. And also what is happening this week is a lot of new shows. Uh, new shows are getting launched as we head into spring, summer and next fall in fact can you believe this after 20 years sex in the city is coming back should it even come back plus one of the main characters is going to be missing the sex part in the city is going to be gone right talk about that also i'm going to tell you about some television shows i wish they would bring back and ron today and i today are going to play podcast book and hack that means we're going to tell you about a podcast we've been listening to that we love also a book that we're reading and maybe a hack we've learned that could help one another and maybe help you too. And if you want to play podcast, book, or hack, just read to us on Facebook or you can hit me up on Twitter. I'm Don O'Neill34. Who are you on? No, uh, not on Twitter, on Instagram. I'm Don O'Neill34 <laughs> on Instagram. I think I'm Ron Upshaw on Instagram. Uh, Ron, Ron Upshaw on Instagram, Don O'Neill34 on Instagram, and you can share your podcast, your book, and your I always feel bad. There's one other, there's a dude who's an artist. His name is Ron Upshaw, and he makes, I believe he makes really beautiful silver artwork. Yeah. And he's got to just be so mad at me because every time he goes out to do anything, like I've already, I scooped up all the, like I own ronupshaw.com. I know Don O'Neill who works at Microsoft and he cannot, and there's also Don O'Neill that was a troubadour in the thirties. There's also a Ron and Don puppet show. There's Ron and Don Puppet Show. There's a Ron and Don show in like Minneapolis or something. Okay. And they, it's a very small audience, but they have Ron and Don show. Anyway. Good. I hope it's going great for yes. that. Anyway. Uh, let's, let's talk about this because I know here in Seattle, I had a survey that was sent to me the other day. And they said, we are talking about kids now going back to school and being back in class. Uh, they just did this in a place like Puyallup. At the same time, I was looking at some of the health numbers and COVID continues to spike. Uh, hospital rates haven't caught up with a spike yet. So we wonder if we're going to have our hospitals overrun here in the state of Washington like they have in California. Here's what's interesting about our numbers, and I don't know if you looked at these lately. Even though that this was kind of the birthplace of COVID, we rank 48th in the country now when it comes to COVID cases per capita compared to other states, right? So, and 48 doesn't mean that we're last. 48 means... Well, that's good. 48 means, is good. Yeah, 48 is good. That's, that's an incredible number. It's like golf. You want to be lower. Yeah, you want to be lower. You don't want to be higher. In, in, in Chicago, where they've had some real COVID spikes in a lot of neighborhoods, uh, there's a concern with some of the teachers there, because in Chicago public schools, they said, we're sending these kids back to school. If we don't send the kids back to school, there's no place for the parents to take these kids. Many of them can't afford daycare. Daycare is so expensive. And so school not only functions as a way to teach our kids, it helps with their mental health, it gives them structure, something to do, and it also allows mom and dad to either work at home or to go to that job because maybe they're a central worker somewhere. Chicago Public Schools come out and told these teachers, and they, they've drawn a hard line because some of the teachers say, hey, I'm older. 
or I have maybe some underlying conditions. I'm not comfortable with doing that. Chicago Public Schools said, if you don't show up, uh, prepare to be fired. And in the meantime, before we fire you, we are not going to pay you. So this is a warning shot. If you want to get paid, if you want to continue to be a teacher here, then you need to show up for the job on Monday. Now, we know one of the reasons why Seattle Public Schools has not come back. There's many teachers here that feel the same way. I've talked to some of the teachers at my son's school that said if they were told that they had to come back, that they would go ahead and retire. There's a lot of older teachers at my son's school. Many of these teachers, 50s, 60s, well into their 70s that are still teaching. Great teachers. They've been there 30, 35 years. But they said, as a result, if they force this, I'm concerned about my well, health. Well, there's, there's been I'm, news out here recently where there, there, uh, there's a push to get the, all the teachers vaccinated. And um, they, they're rapidly changing who's on the list, how quickly these vaccinations are going to happen. And there's very poor coordination between the feds and the states. So let, let me ask you this. It's is, not poor. There is no coordination. There is no coordination. Yeah. If the teachers at your son's school were vaccinated, would you feel okay sending him back to school? Because I was talking to a buddy of ours that lives in Texas. He's sending his daughter back to school. She's seven. She's going to school yeah. at the school. And it's like, dude, we, I got, I got to work. He, he owns a roofing company. It's like, I got to, I got to work, man. I'm out there putting roofs on things. She's going back to school. I'm not worried about her. I'm not worried about him. And I think I know the buddy you're talking about. I'm worried about his grandparents. Right. And so what we have to understand is you're saying if, well, in Chicago, it's not an if, right? Because it hasn't happened. But in, in Seattle, it's not an if because it hasn't happened. But and they're they're trying to push the teachers to get vaccinated early. Well, like right now, they're trying. But what we see happening in all over the country is there are vaccines where they finally said, you know what, we just have to open up Disneyland, and we are going to take the vaccines that we have. And if you're 65 plus. Just go ahead and show up because the targeting vaccine that they've tried to do with essential workers that they've tried to do with frontline workers is not working. And one of the reasons it's not working, there's a lot of frontline essential workers that are saying, thanks for sending all the vaccine. The vaccine is working. The distrib- distribution's not working. Well, some of the distribution is it's like, yeah, it, it, 40% of the deaths are all connected. They're all connected to care facilities for older people. And so even know that, that the older people in those care facilities will take the vaccine, and some of these care facilities, up to 80% of the workers are like, thanks for shipping the vaccine, we're not taking it. And as a result of that, they're like, well, who are we going to give this vaccine to? Is there anybody? There's Tammy down the hall. She's here uh, visiting her mom. Then. And there's Tim over there. And he's across the street and he's running a bucket truck. And then they're, they're, they are just trying to find people so the vaccine is not wasted where they can stick it in their arms. And so this targeted vaccination is not working. And one of the reasons it's not working is because there's no uniformity across the states. And is Joe Biden going to be able to pull this off in 100 days and create this uniformity? I hope so. But what they're talking about doing is just opening up more Disneyland's, telling people this is where the vaccine is. We have three million doses, and just show up. It's going to be a, it's going to be a riot, and we're going to start vaccinating people. So, circling back to the teachers, it's a great idea, but it's not happening. And in Chicago right now, they're being forced to go back to school. And here in Seattle, if more teachers were on board, more teachers were on board. 
going back to school, I think we would see Seattle public schools. We'd see kids going back to school. Because even that, um, it's not a bulletproof armor. You know, 90 to 95% means if you're at a school, one in every 10 or one in every 20 teachers would still get COVID, even if they're all vaccinated. And so in a school, one in 10 is a big deal. Like that's a big deal right. to have have ten percent of your teachers still get it even though they're vaccinated. So yeah, I think it's a, it's a long road. I do think it's great for Disneyland. I mean, it is in their vested interest to get people vaccinated so they can open. You up think the it's great for again. Disneyland to to offer their space <laughs> to say we're we're good at logistics. We know how to get people in lines. We know how to get them in queue. We have a lot of square footage. We have a lot of buildings. Like we can we can get some people processed. I think it's good that they're offering that up uh we have plenty of parking available we've got shuttles we've got firework shows we got ice cream cones like yeah. come out here and do that i also love that the dentists are being drafted into this to say go to your local dentist they know how to put a shot in you mm-hmm. it's not going to be in your gums but it'll be in your arm yeah so like you know drafting in these people that know how to do this is good and also you know having a plan that, that I know that that's Joe Biden and, and Kamala Harris's number one priority. Get the inauguration done and then COVID. Like it is about COVID right now, period. And there needs to be a uniform plan, as you said. And I, I believe that plan is coming. Um, the previous administration was so focused on, you know, stopping the steel that they couldn't stop the virus. <laughs> That was good. We'll leave it right there. It's, whoa. We'll leave it on the other side. Yeah, we'll get to the other side. Just- Hi, I'm Ann Fitzpatrick, and I bought a house with Ron and Don. If you're downsizing, upsizing, or right-sizing, Ron and Don can help you buy, sell, or invest in real estate. It all starts with a Ron and Don sit-down. The second house that we went after, I saw it hit Zillow on Thanksgiving Day. I emailed them, and I said, don't look at this today. It's Thanksgiving. Be with your families. And of course, they ignored what I said about don't work on Thanksgiving. And they absolutely worked on Thanksgiving for me. And we immediately got in with an inspector the very next morning, uh, you know, immediately started strategizing. Don pointed out to me, look, this is going to be sort of a bloodbath because people love mid-century modern. And, you know, he was able to tell me what the seller's strategy was and, you know, what it was likely to go for. And he had, you know, a strategy to get around that and to say, we're not going to wait. We're going to go in and we're going to get it early. He managed to do that. We actually managed to scoop up this house before anybody else had a chance. I'm just absolutely thrilled. I mean, I knew that this was going to be hard to find and get. And we did it so quickly and got just the perfect house in exactly where I needed it to be at a price that I feel really good about. So I could not be happier with my experience. If you find yourself dreaming about a new home, Go from just a dream to the dream team. Schedule your time at ronanddonsitdown.com. You're listening to your old friends, Ron and Don, on the Ron and Don Radio Network, man. (laughs) All right, there you go, guys. You just uh, listened to some of our great clients from last year, and we already have great clients lined up for this year. If you want to sit down with us, just go to our website, ronanddonsitdown.com, or you can contact Ron personally, ron at windermere.com, and we'll send you one of the playbooks to buy or sell. Hey, uh, television, I, I'm, I don't watch a lot of TV. I, I, I just don't. 
Uh, and I had shared on episode 211 that I have gone alcohol-free uh, for, for most of the last three years. I had some moments where I wasn't, but uh, for most of the last three years. And, and along with that, I used to sit in front of a television set a lot and watch football, and I just I don't do that anymore. Uh, I spent a lot of time actually doing our real estate business, doing really cool stuff with my son, stuff with friends, stuff outside, exercise, maybe going on a trip. Spent a lot of time in front of the computer going, how do I get run? Yeah. What does the command P do? Yeah. Or, or I spent a time on, a, I have a number of construction projects in my own personal portfolio that are going on here at my house and uh, some other places uh, in the city. I'm working on a house right now, taking off the second story over uh, in Magnolia, uh, on Magnolia Boulevard. Beautiful uh beautiful view of the sound. So I've been working on that quite a bit and I actually go and pick up the crowbar and, uh, and we grab our dump truck and we go work. So it, it, it's a lot of fun to do that with uh, myself and my, my partners, Joe and Jennifer. But every once in a while, every once in a while, I like to turn on some TV land. And on TV land, my favorite shows on TV land is I like to watch a little Gilligan's Island and, wow. And everybody's little buddy is gone. Skip is gone. Uh, Thurston Howell III and his lovely wife, they're gone. Ginger's gone, I believe. No, Ginger's still with oh, us. Is she? Don Wells, who played uh, Marianne. Yeah. No longer with us. We just lost her a couple weeks ago. Ginger is the only one that's still around. I have not watched the Gilligan's Island show in probably. 30 years. Yeah. So, so I like that. I'm not afraid to say I love, I don't like, I love the Partridge family. And in fact, <laughs> uh, Danny Bonaducci is my neighbor. He lives right down the street. And anytime my dog gets out, he brings my dog back. And uh, he also does great radio here in the city of Seattle. He played Danny Partridge on that show. And I always thought when my dad left, I'm like, you know what? There's some perks to this. Because I play guitar, my brother plays guitar, my sister can sing, my other sister can play the maracas. Who is your Ruben uh, my Kincaid? Mom, my mom can probably pretend to play the piano. And, and, and why couldn't we go out and get a bus and, and tour the country uh, as the Partridge family? I always saw my family do it. It didn't work out, but I always saw my family uh, doing this. And then my two favorite shows of all time. They're still my favorite shows. I love Squad 51. I love, love, love One Adam 12. And then, and then right after that, you would get Gage into Soto with Squad 51. So you get One Adam 12, Squad 51. And I still watch this. Don't you, and when I you, told when, you before, when you watch these I have shows? tried to buy Squad 51, which is in Arizona in a museum right now. I've tried to buy that squad from, from that television show, which was called Emergency. When you watch those shows, don't they seem to be at a glacial pace? Yes. Like you have a two-minute theme song, <laughs> and then you have like a seven-minute wind-up. Like man. the show doesn't even get going for 15 minutes. And like nowadays, yeah. man you like yeah. get to the show yeah well anyway i read this week and i know that a lot of my female friends uh think that this is awesome that sex in the city is coming back and what's interesting about sex in the city is there were two movies after sex in the city was on hbo the first movie did okay i think the last movie just completely bombed oh absolutely completely bombed and they said you know what we're gonna do because that was a complete bomb is we're gonna bring the show back anyway but the show is missing the sex part of In the City. The very best character on Sex in the City was Kim Cattrall's character, right? And Kim Cattrall just said that she is no longer, she, she's what Ginger was on Gilligan's Island. 
whenever they would have a reunion show, she didn't want to do the reunion because she still wanted to be seen as this gay, this great theatrical actress. And she wanted to be known for something else. So she wouldn't, she wouldn't come to those. When we looked at happy days and they do reun- reunions, Joni would not come back because she felt the same way. She felt, I want other people to see me. Ron Howard didn't give a damn because he's already doing cool stuff, right? Potsy just knew I'm always going to be Potsy, so I might as well go back for these reunion shows. Can you imagine doing like an emergency squad 51 and you don't have Dixie from Rampart? Well, well, time out though. You don't have Dixie from Rampart who you know Gage was in love with, DeSoto was in love with, and all the doctors were in love with Kim Dixie. Kim Cattrall is 64 years old now. 66 years old. I read 64. Somewhere between 64 and 66. She is sex in the city. You're saying and a 66-year-old so, can't be sexy? I'm saying the way that show was formatted and her role within the show is not really conducive to a 65-year-old. You don't think 66, 64-year-old women are out getting after it? I do, but I don't think that it fits the model of Sex in the City of a, 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 about around a town in Manhattan with Sarah Jessica Parker. The show is called Sex in the City. I understand that. I, I'm not a big nostalgic reboot guy. Like, like shows have their time and place. I don't want to see Friends again. You don't want to see Mr. Big? I don't want to see Mr. Big. You don't? I don't want to see... It had its time and its place. See, I... I don't want to reboot MASH. See, Jessica... MASH had its time and its place. Well, and the, all those characters have passed away, too. But with Mr. Big, like, when he rode off in the sunset and he married Jessica... Uh, I was about to call her Jessica... Uh, Sarah Parker. Sarah Parker. When, when those two got married, the show was done. That right. was it. That was it. Yeah, I, I don't like all the reboots. Seinfeld. You can make Adams. new shows that are yeah. great. Queen's Gambit that's a great show. Yeah. It's on Netflix. You binge watch the whole thing. Ted Lasso, I'm probably giving away my, my shows here. Great show. Maybe I'll come back to him if we're going to do that in another segment. Okay. But I'm saying you can make good television. You don't have to constantly reboot everything. Yeah. There's original ideas everywhere. Bring us compelling stories from other people and other characters and other, you know, ethnicities, other age groups, other things that we can see. We don't have to constantly reboot everything. Yeah. Whenever Jerry Seinfeld is asked about bringing Seinfeld back, he's like, I don't need the money. Uh, he said, I have a lot of money. You know why he, he ended said, the and show? He said, and he said, by the way, it is fun to have a lot of money. He, he, he enjoyed doing the show with Larry David. When Larry David walked away from that show, Seinfeld no longer enjoyed doing that show, and it became a grind. And then he saw Larry David go over to HBO, and, and then you saw who Seinfeld really was. Seinfeld was Larry David. That's who Seinfeld is. So in my mind, the cat's out of the bag. Larry David is Seinfeld. That's where all that shtick and all that greatness came from was in their collaboration. But do you know why he ended it when he did? The only way that it would work is to bring Larry David back. You know why he ended it when he did? Because the Beatles were together for nine years. And so Jerry Seinfeld looked at that and he's like, I have to end it at nine. He's like, once you put a one in front of there and now it's a decade, people look at you and you go, you spent a decade of your life doing the show? So he went and they were still on top. They got offered an ungodly amount of money to come back. And he's like, the Beatles did their whole career in nine years because we're doing it in nine years. And he had the courage to walk away from it, Hmm. which is pretty amazing. Why didn't we end this show in nine years? Good point. Because we didn't get paid like (laughs) Jerry Seinfeld. All right. Anyway, Sex and the City is be back, and hopefully, emergency if they bring it back, it'll have Dixie, and if they need Squad Fifty One again, 
it is in a. I don't think I've ever watched truck. a Squad it's in a 51. Fire truck museum that you took me to. I've never seen an episode of Squad 51. A, you know what? We're gonna sit down and watch no, it together. I, I gotta go. I love that when the when the uh, radio goes off. It used to go off in my house all the time because my dad was a volunteer fireman. Hey, uh, don't go anywhere. Coming back on the other side of this, we're gonna play podcast, book, and hack. We'll tell you about a podcast we're listening to, a book we love, and a hack we've learned on the other side of this. If you find yourself dreaming about a new home, go from just a dream to the dream team. Schedule your time at ronanddonsitdown.com. All right, you guys, uh, rolling on with episode uh, 212 of the Ron and Don Show. And don't forget, we want to thank Les Schwab. We're live from Les Schwab Studios. And also, we are licensed brokers at Windermere. If you need us, it's time to sit down. Let's do it. Just go to ronanddonsitdown.com. And you're under no obligation other than the fact, let's have some fun and we'll send you a Ron and Don sit down mug. So you can tell everybody uh, that you sat down with Ron and Don. How about that? Anyway, let's play podcast book and hack. This is a game you just invented five minutes ago. Yeah. So tell me about a podcast you're listening to that you love. Also tell me about a book you're reading and uh, maybe about a hack that you might enjoy. All right. The podcast, the first one that comes to mind, and you'll have to be kind of of a specific mindset to enjoy this, but I think you'll enjoy it. It's called The Moment with Brian Koppelman. And so Brian Koppelman is a a writer. Um, He did the movie and a director and a showrunner. And so he did the movie Rounders was uh, his breakthrough hit years ago. And now he's the writer, creator, and showrunner of the show Billions on Showtime. So if you've seen... Uh, any of that stuff that Brian Koppelman and his partner wrote all those things. And so he likes to find a, a world like billionaire investors or poker players or whatever. And then they really go deep in that. And I don't know if you've seen billions with, oh, with yeah. Paul Giamatti. So that that's his show. Yeah. So he has this podcast called the moment and it's all about, he gets these people across sports and music and acting and writing. And he tries to find the moments in their life where their life changed. So it's like, if like right now I'm listening to the episode with doc rivers, he's a basketball coach. And it's sort of like, what are the moments that made you doc rivers? Yeah. And he's a, he's a very good interviewer, but it's, there's so many, it's just great to hear these people's journeys. So you'll hear Paul Giamatti tell his story. And because, because he is who he is, people tend to open up to him more because he's done something. He's not just a random interviewer. Like he's actually made movies and made television shows and written things. And so when he has a writer on, there's a camaraderie there. Cause he's like, you're a writer. I'm a writer. And so he gets more out of them, I think, than an average interview. So that's my podcast it's called The Moment with Brian Koppelman. You can just scroll back and he does like Nashville songwriters. He does athletes, like pretty much the whole cast of Billions has been on there. And like you'll hear Paul G- Paul Giamatti never talks about his dad, Bart Giamatti, being the commissioner of baseball, but he does with Brian because they're friends. So like Paul just if if you hear an interview with Paul Giamatti, He'll gloss over that. He doesn't want to go deep into that. But with Brian, he will. Hmm. And so you get these stories about his dad being the commissioner of baseball that, like, you wouldn't have got somewhere else, et cetera. So that's my podcast of the moment um, with Brian Koppelman. My book, there's a couple that I'm doing right now. 
Um, one is, is I'm rereading 1984. It's been all the rage on the social medias of everyone calling every, everything Orwellian. And, uh, but when you read the book, it's, it's really remarkable to reread it in light of 2020 in the last four years. So that's that I've been reading. I talked about it on a previous episode, but I'm just about to wrap up Sapiens. Uh, I bought this book for you and I know that you're finishing up some books. You're going to read it. It's, a profoundly um, informative book. So if you haven't read that before, those would be the two that I do. And then my hack, I had to think about a hack. This might be, I don't, I think it's a hack, but tell me if it's totally off base. I've done something with my, my finances. That's a hack for me that I wonder if it would help other people. I've created a bunch of different bank accounts and so what I do when I get paid, I have a little spreadsheet that I'll put the amount I get paid on, and then it spits out the numbers that I've already predetermined to go into other bank accounts. And so for me, like when I want to travel, um, I have an account set up for traveling. And I know that it just every time I get paid, I take a certain percentage of, of the paycheck and I put it into the travel account. Um, I'm wanting to buy a new car coming up. And so I take a certain amount of every paycheck and I put it into the new car account. And then for me, the thing that is helpful with this hack is if the money's in those accounts in a separate bank account, I don't think about it anymore. It's not something that I can spend. And so then six months from now, when I open up that account, I'll go, oh, wow, I got, I got quite a bit of money in the new car fund because I just, every time it's automatic, there's no debate about it. I've already determined what those numbers are going to be. It automatically goes into the accounts. Yeah. You know, that's been the biggest life hack. You for know, me. I did. Uh, so, so I'm going to start with my hack. Okay. And I'll just play off your hack. So, so three years ago, and I told you in, in episode 211, that that I desired to go alcohol free. One of the things that I was interested in doing, because when I would go to restaurants, somehow the bill would always end up with me because people knew that I'd pay it. And not only would the bill end up with me, but I had certain friends that when they knew that I was paying, they would really run the drink bill. And, and so... I would also have people over to my house all the time and I have barbecues and sometimes those barbecues would end up, you'd spend a thousand dollars on a barbecue cause you're buying all this meat and you're buying all this alcohol and you're doing all this prep work and preparation. And maybe you're having a dozen uh, people over or more. And as a result of that, uh, I used to throw some pretty good parties and I think I still do. Uh, but they're a little different. I took all that money every single month. I took that money and I put it in an account, a very, very aggressive account. And I, and I'll just share it with you. I, I opened up that account today. I took all the money that I normally, cause I go out to restaurants a lot. And during COVID, we haven't been out to restaurants, but even in, the, in when I started being alcohol free and more present with my son, I didn't hire babysitters. I didn't hire tutors. I took the money that I'd spent on a babysitter, a tutor, uh, sometimes the stuff that I invest in a nanny, alcohol, all that. And I, I just put it in an account. So I opened that up this morning. 
over the past three years, there's $34,000 sitting in that account. That's a lot of stakes. Yeah. Again, it's in a very aggressive account. It's done very well. It's in the, it's an account that's in the stock market. It's amazing the amount of money that we spend on stuff that we don't realize we're spending until we stop and we go, hey, what is this behavior actually costing? It's a great hack. And what would happen if I took that money and I invested that? I think about that with people that are smokers. Like a pack of cigarettes is $10-11 and they do two packs a day or whatever. It's like, how do you afford that? Well, it started for me because you can get apps that are counters. And I started, I, I started counting and I would say, hey, well, on this night I would go to a restaurant or on Seahawks Sunday, I would spend this kind of money and meet these kind of friends and pay these kind of bills. And I just started taking that money that I would spend and I would funnel it That's a great into, into this account. And now, and, and, and it's $34,000 because I wasn't spending $34,000 over the last three years just on those things. But I put it in a very aggressive account that, that, that's done pretty well. All right, what's your book and what's your pod? Yeah, book. Uh, and, and I shared this. I, I'm reading. I'm at the tail end now. It's a book where I was reading it too fast. And so I've really slowed down to just enjoy it because I, I like to think I'm a pretty fast reader, even when reading with one eye. Uh, when I'm reading a book by Howard Stern called Howard Comes Again, they are his best interviews that he feels like that he's ever done. And some of the people that we just talked about, Paul Giamatti or Jerry Seinfeld, or um, some of the great cast members. Jessica Sarah Parker. Saturday Night Live. Yeah, they're all in there. And it is very fascinating because what he does is he tells you what he was thinking before the interview. And then you read the interview and then he'll write sometimes a reflective piece after that. And when you think about some of the things that he would do where he was such a shock jock, uh, a lot of those interviews are not in there. It's the interviews that he did from probably 2013 on. And these are interviews where he'd have people come back and he would apologize to them, like Letterman, for instance, or even he, he, didn't, he didn't think Jerry Seinfeld would ever come back on his show. And Jerry came back on to talk about comedians and cars getting coffee, and he apologized to him about the way he treated him when he was on the first time. Then you have people like Joan Rivers that have been on this show probably over 60 times that were just a part of it. So anyway, Howard comes again. You realize, you realize what a great interviewer he is. And then he tells you the secret about how we prepare for these interviews. And I know you haven't read it yet, so I'm not going to ruin that part. All right. Yeah. You, as a broadcaster, you'll be fascinated by that. And then uh, podcast wise, I share this one with everybody. If you're a young investor, uh, there's a podcast called Bigger Pockets. They do two episodes now a week. And it's by a young man that's actually out of Seattle. He lives in Maui now. Uh, his name is Brandon, and then his friend David, who was a cop down in San Francisco, and now he is a real estate investor, and he is also a great mentor, does a lot of webinars. And these guys teach you, uh, it, it, it's really about real estate for the rest of us. They teach you how to invest in real estate if you have limited funds. They teach you how to invest in real estate if you have the spirit of whatever it takes. They teach you how to invest in real estate. Maybe you can't swing a hammer but you can do what I do. You pick up a crowbar and you could do the demo part of tuning a property up and then bring somebody in and pay them uh, and leverage yourself because they have the ability to maybe swing that hammer a little bit better than, than you do. So it's really, they do something on there called the stack. 
and they teach you how to buy a duplex and become a house hacker. They'll explain to you what house hacking is. I won't do that. Here. What's the name of the podcast again? Yeah. It's called Bigger Pockets. They'll teach you about the stack of buying a two-plex into a four-plex into an eight, a 16, and then a whole apartment building. And that's a great way to uh, develop wealth. So check that out. And then another one by James Swanick. It's just called Alcohol Free. And it's about living an alcohol-free lifestyle. And he has people on there that have decided, like I have, to live an alcohol-free lifestyle. And they talk about the benefits. They talk about how they've been able to do that. He has a program where you can go 90 days. And they have an 87% success rate in those 90 What's days. What's his name again? His name's James Swanick. S-W-A-N-I-T? Swanick. So S-W-A-N-I-C-K. Oh, Swanick. Yeah, Swanick. And he used to actually be a host on ESPN back in the day. He's from Australia, so he has a great accent. And you might like him. So if you've been thinking about that lifestyle... Uh, check out James Swanick. Anyway, time for us to get out of here. That is episode 212, you guys. Thanks for listening. We appreciate that so much. Almost 900,000 spins now. They're on a Don Show. And if you want to get in touch with us and you want to help the show, how can you do it? Yeah, just email me, ron at windermere.com. I can send you that buyer's playbook, seller's playbook. Or you can sign up for our newsletter. It drops every Wednesday at ronanddonsitdown.com. Yeah, we'd love to be on your team. We'd love to be on your team, but you got to do your homework and take a look at our playbook, all right? And then we'll sit down together. Run it on sitdown.com. Till next time, you guys, you keep your head up, shoulders back. And here's my son. Hey, thanks for listening to the Ron and Dawn Show. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and find some black belt courage. Ha! I'm not kidding. <laughs>